the title of the message, the Lord needs it. And uh, I want to talk to you right up front. And I want to and I want to I want to be brutally honest with you. And I want to accomplish something today as, as a church family. There are moments when you got to come together. Amen. And uh, this is this church is not about a superstar or a few uh, uh, individuals, but but this church values everyone. Amen. Look at your neighbor and go, we value you. And the other person that maybe you didn't value or you didn't think needed to be, you tell them that we value you too. All right. I'm glad you do that. As a church family, we are, we are on a divine, I believe that we're on a divine moment in our church. And so in, in Luke chapter 19, there's a historical moment right here in the scriptures. And usually this message is usually preached uh, around Palm Sunday. But I want to, I feel like it's significant for where we're at today as a church. And I just want to, Go there. So this story is, let's go to chapter 28. We're gonna, I'm gonna read from chapter uh, 19, verse 28 to verse 40. And it says, After telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of the disciples. And he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there with that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying the colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Same say, the Lord needs it. That would be like someone coming to your house, knocking on the door, and they say, hey, I need the keys to your car. What? Why do you need my key? Because the Lord needs it. Yeah, right. That would be like someone coming to some of you men and said, the Lord needs your bass boat. Why? Because the Lord needs it. And let's go on. And right here he goes on and he says, So he went and he found the colt, just as Jesus said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, What did, he, what did they say? The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments and the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of the followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples or your followers for they're saying things like that. And he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. Or another verse, or the rocks will cry out. And so what happens right here, now I want to give you an update as where we are as a church family. Is that all right? If it's not all right, I'm going to do it anyway. And so before I tell you where we are, I want to tell you what, what we, where we've been. And I'd love to tell you the story where God has brought us today. And so... As we continue to remind ourselves, I have to constantly remind myself of God's faithfulness in my life. How about you? If God's been faithful in the past, he can be faithful in the future. How I many you believe that? And so we always have to remember there's been moments in your life that are, that are just divine moments where God has showed up in your personal life, in your family life, or corporately as you've been believing, even as a church, as a family. God has showed up in our family, in our church. And I want to talk about, and it continues to encourage us to move forward. And so that, that we know what God has done. And so there's, we have so many people coming. You might, you might 
might not even know the story of our church. Let me ask you, let me ask, how many of you have been coming just in the last year, less than a year, you've been coming to this church? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand real high. We want everybody. How many, how many, less than a year. Come on, raise it up. Come on. People need to see. Okay. Thank you. Put it down. Appreciate it. How many of you been coming here? Let me, I'll do it. How many of you been coming here 16 years? Okay. Me and my wife and Josh. Andrew, well, you, you don't count. Janine, that's right. You were in the first service at the Holiday Inn. We'll talk about that in a minute. How many of you have been coming here for 10 years? Okay. Put your hand down. Five years. Three years. If I asked you a question, you'd raise your hand no matter what I said. Anyway, put it down. Anyway, we know you people. But anyway, what happens is, uh, you know, and it's like, I just look at I was in 2000. Actually, this year, we'll celebrate 16 years of being here in this city on Super Bowl Sunday. You imagine how stupid we were to start church on Super Bowl Sunday. I look back and I go, man, that was God. And we only had, we had 19 people show up at the Holiday Inn, which is the Days Inn, and half of them were my family, with Janine and her family. And there was a few other people. But I, and, and I look back and we're at Holiday Inn. I was actually the senior associate pastor with, with my pastor, Pastor Jacob Aranza there in Broussard. That's where we started our first campus in Broussard, Louisiana. And what happened is uh, we used to drive here after the first service. And we'd come here and we would set up. It would be Kevin Cook. It would be Pastor Josh. Uh, it would be... Uh, Earl Eastwood, you remember that, Lindsay? Earl, and, and we would set up, and we, we'd, we'd do that, and we'd come in a 15-passenger van, and we did that, we did that for over a year, and then in 2001, we we just go, God, we're tired of the Holiday Inn, we need our own inn, that was our prayer and our cry, and God gave us an opportunity to buy the property that we're on right now, it was actually three acres, 3.46 acres, and they had the building in the front, it was owned by Columbia Gulf. It was a pipeline company. There was never a pipeline that ran through the property. It was just a workstation where they would meet and they'd have to disperse and go do maintenance on their pipeline. And so they were asking $150,000 for the property and the buildings. And there was an empty warehouse where the men's bathroom and the women's and those classrooms. That was a 30 by 60 empty just warehouse. And... And so I called them and I found it was $150,000. One of the realtors in town, I said, I called the Columbia Gulf and said, hey, I got a deal for you. And they go, well, and I need to talk to the guy who was in charge of selling. He goes, yeah, well, tell me what your deal is. I said, I got a great deal. You know what? It's the best deal possible. You could give us the building and give us the property. He must have thought, what have you been drinking or smoking? We had a crack attic on the end of this line. And I remember just, you know, and, he, and, he, and, and I began to explain to him how good it would be as a church. You could write it off, tax deduction, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't buy it. But they came off $50,000. So he said, look, we'll sell it to you for $100,000 if you come up with the money in six weeks. And I remember, forget, we had 33 people in the church at that time. And long story short. We came up with all the money in six weeks and we were able to purchase the property. And I remember the first night that we had the property, we had wood and all kinds of things we were going to set up because we were going to start on our, our sanctuary, which was the front building and everything. I remember st- spending the night that night when we got bought the building. And I'm like, I look back, why did I spend the night? There was really nothing to steal. <laughs> but I spent the night, I just, you know, and you, you know, I'm so excited. And so what happened is it's kind of how we started and God began to grow us in 2004. We began to expand. We bought two and a half acres right here. And then we, we finished off where the four year is in that, in, in this back area. And that became our church. How many of you remember that? 
And we went to two services and we started packing it out. And then in 2007, we purchased our, our property in Eunice. And, and what happened in Eunice is that uh, we bought property on Highway 190. Oh, I'm going too fast. That's the Eunice sign. That's Highway 190 right there. And, uh, and we bought that, 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 that property. And God has been doing incredible things there. People's lives are being touched and changed. And in 2011, we started running out of room in the inn here. And I remember, I don't, y'all might remember some of the service. One day, we are going to have our sanctuary behind these walls. And I remember that, I don't know if you were there that Sunday when we busted the wall and we came in here and, and all that. And we prayed around this building and, and, uh, and we ran out. And, we, and the cool thing is the building you're sitting in right now, that's it. Right before we had the route, we had a service right there. We just, we began to pray. At that moment, we didn't have all the money, but we just started, we started building with what we had. And the cool thing is, you're sitting in this building, and we paid cash. Not that we didn't pay cash. Jesus paid cash for us, and he used all of us. Amen? And so, you know, and so we get, you know, the cool thing is we give, people give and serve here at OSC. Amen? And because of that, why, why do they do that? Why do they give and why they, because we care about people. Our, 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 our theme is reaching people, building lives. And so every time we take another step, I always want to include everyone in the process. So it's exciting, but I'll just say this. We can't stay where we're at. Okay. And I'm going to give you some, I'm going to show you some figures and things like that, but it's exciting. But behind the scenes, our teams have been working to solve problems to reach more people, but it's becoming more difficult. How many know you can work on a problem, then it becomes, it's a problem, then it becomes even more difficult to work with. And so we're trying to figure out how do we do, how do we continue to reach people with the space we currently have. So studies show there's three things you need to have as a church, and I'm going to show you what they are. There's three things that make sure you have enough for, to make sure you have enough space for in three critical. The first area that you need to have enough space is called parking. Okay, we have 130 spots to park people. Okay. I mean, you know, that's okay if you have that many spots. But last, let me just say this. Last Sunday, we had 190 cars. I mean, you know, that's not good if you only have 130 spaces. Okay? So, that shows you we got a problem right there. Then, in our OSC kids, we, at, we have a space of about 80 for 80 kids. How many, okay, moms, how many, how many have children? How many have more children than you, think, you thought you would ever have? My wife's going to raise her hand. Yeah. And you just go, my gosh, how do people stay sane? You ever wonder that? I saw a TV show the other day where people are, the new one coming up where they're just having babies and, and the people are having to stay up and it's called strained or something like that. And people, Woo! the lady's crying, the man's going, oh my God. I go, you don't know nothing. Anyway, just, anyway. 90s, and so, but last Last week, we're averaging, here, we have 80 spaces, we're averaging 90 kids on Sunday. How I many you know, that ain't good for the workers. They're wanting to drink red Kool-Aid, I promise you. And the third thing is, is just the worship center. We have a space for 250 people. That's what we have a space here for, okay? 250 people. Last week, we had 294 people in the sanctuary. Okay, if you want to put everything, we, last week we had 377 people total, adults and kids. We're averaging 368 people every Sunday. How I many you know that? It, that's great, but it's a problem. 
Okay? And so here's the thing. When, when I share these problems, other pastors go, man, that's awesome. Wow. You know, that's a great problem, Pastor Bubba. You know, but it's a good problem because we're reaching people for Jesus. Amen? But it's also a problem that if you don't solve it, <laughs> it's a problem you will not continue to have. Are y'all with me? Okay. This weekend, I want to share the problem, but let's make it our problem. Is that all right? And so what we have done, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to show a slide here in a minute. What we've done is we've launched the REACH project in 2014. And by the way, when the economy was great. Hello. Because, see, here's the thing. How many of you know that there are people that have lost jobs? How many of you gone to the gas station? I go to the gas station. I go, God. I think about all the workers that are affected. So, God, I don't mind paying more. I don't mind paying more. Okay, I just, I mean, honestly, you know, then you see people up in Michigan, you know, remember when they were coming down here with the last person in Michigan, please turn the lights off, you know, but here it is. Phase one, we talked about launching OSC Crowley, our Savior's Church Crowley, and we were going to invest $200,000 into that campus. Remember that? For some of you go, what are you talking about? Well, you don't know. And that's why I don't want to just to review. This is I'm not going for weeks. This is the only weekend I'm giving you an update. OK, I'm just giving you an update and I'm coming back to the message. I promise. All right. Are you all with me? You sure? All right. Remember, some of you just shake your head at anybody, but raise your hand. But but what happened is we invested two hundred thousand dollars into Crowley. Look at me. We've completed that. You ought to give the Lord a hand clap for that. And that's where you look at Pastor Zach and go, we love you. You own, you own, baby. $200,000. We and the phase two was we we're going to upgrade Eunice Worship Center. On the inside, we did some things on the inside with their sound system and everything else. We've done that. We've completed that. In phase three, we're going to build a state-of-the-art kids facility here in Jennings. We launched our, our OSC Crowley campus on 2014 september and they're averaging listen to me their average is 185 people every sunday is that awesome and not only are they are not only they averaging 185 people every sunday but the cool thing is they're having their their uh next step and every time they have the next step they're packed out and they're having more and more people come and being a part. And I, we're excited about that. And, and so people have gotten saved. People got people's lives are being changed. And it, it's, it's, it's awesome when I go there. I just wish I could just take you all all in my briefcase and go, see, I told you. But but what happens is in 2015, we upgraded the Eunice Worship Center and started preparations for our new kids facility. And, and we've we've launched And Here's what we had to do this past year. We had to make a decision. We go, you know, we ain't got enough room anymore. We got to go to another service. Okay. Now we're having two services. Okay. To take care of the problem. You understand me? And so we're doing that. But not only that, but we're running out of room. And so our church is, let me just say this. Our church, this is, I can show you the numbers, but I'm not going to bore you with all that. Our church has doubled in attendance from this time last year to right now. That's God. Okay, you know, we're not we're not going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, come on, Cajun. You know, your mom, you know, whatever. But here here was because of our generosity. Listen to this. Since we started the campaign to reach, we've raised over two hundred and eighty two thousand dollars. 
That's God. I mean, you know, think about this. You know, the, the word that I have for this year is generosity. It's for me, or, or not generosity, gratitude. But being grateful is that when you become grateful, you become generous. And, and I just say this. I don't know many churches that raise money to help start another church. Okay, and that was our heart. And I don't know if you remember, Pastor Jim says every time you open, every time you start a new campus, God's going to grow you. And, and I look what's happening. Our, our facility right now in Jennings, we're going to extend it by by building our new SC kids facility. It's going to be forty eight hundred square feet. It's going to have. Uh, it's going to be the state-of-the-art facility. It's going to have a design check-in area for the kids, and the mothers are going to go, yes, praise God. We're going to have five larger classrooms. You can see right there how we've designed that. And not only that, we're going to have a dream team room. And so that's phase one is what we're going to do is we're going to begin to, you saw how we poured that concrete, and you see all the dirt over there. We've got to tear out the old uh, handicap space and make new handicap space because right there is where we're going to build. So we're going to start digging all that up here shortly. And here's the cool thing. In phase one, we need $104,000 to do the plumbing, the, the pre-electrical, to do the concrete work and all the other things we have to do with that. And we have a detailed list of you know, that card that we gave you at the beginning of service. But here's the cool thing. We have $51,000 in the bank to start. That's almost half. And so what we need is another another fifty three thousand dollars. And how we're going to do it is that we're just going to do like we've always done. We're going to pay cash. All right. That's good. <laughs> I know about you, but I'm excited about that. Now let me that's the update of what's going on. And let me just say that. Why do I say all that? Because it's not about buildings. It's about people. It's God touching people. You know, when you look at all our campuses, what God is doing, every every one of our campuses, God is breathing and he's moving and people's lives are being touched and changed. That means that families are coming together. That means that where there used to be brokenness, there becomes wholeness. And so I look at it. I think about last week with the testimonies, uh, two weeks ago with the testimonies that were shared here. And then me being able to share my story and what God has done. And I know this. Sometimes a journey and always fun. How you know what I'm talking about? I look at the journey and I look at it, I go, look at God's faithfulness. But I remember what it took to get here. I mean, I remember looking at my wife and go, we're moving to Jen. No, it wasn't my wife. Pastor Jacob got up and shared one Sunday. This is act gospel truth. Before I got to share with my wife, we were going to move to Jennings. And he goes, by the way, Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy are going to be starting a church in Jennings. You imagine the first time you ever hear you're going to start a church, you're sitting in the front row. I, tell, I had told him, he was so excited we were going we, we to come. He just said it without me getting a chance to even tell my wife. And let me tell you something. Was that a family meeting? <laughs> she went angry and she just wanted to know, is this God? Because it better be God. And I remember Zach being on the soccer team. Andrew, you know, was skateboard king in Broussard, Louisiana. And and Nathan had his little buddy, Derek. They grew up together. They went to preschool together, kindergarten and all that stuff. And, you know, for us, it was a big pull. And, and I, I can remember just coming here. You know, I'd like to say we had the joy of the Lord. I can remember coming in some meetings and where we would come on a Thursday night and I was going to do a Bible study, have a midweek Bible study, and no one showed up. The joy of the Lord was, believe me, I was like, where is the joy of the Lord right now? But I can look back at all those moments. You know, it didn't break me. It began to build me. 
And I look at Pastor John. I'll just tell you what. Everybody that ever has come and been a part that's on our staff, they had to make a sacrifice to come. I think about Pastor Josh and Earl when they came with me at first. And, and I, I'll never forget, they, we got them a barn to live in. And it was on piers. And when the wind would blow, it would sway. They had one couch and they had to share it. One slept on the floor, one slept on the couch. The water stank. Yeah, I remember I could tell, hey, yeah, you used that barn water, didn't you? You know, you put some cologne, you know. I mean, I remember when it, get, when it would get cold, Josh would come over to the house and sleep on our couch because they didn't have a heater or they didn't have hot water. Sometimes the water was just chaotic. I remember when Lindsay and Josh started liking each other and, and, and then Lindsay would come and she moved to be with Jamie at Jamie and Cheryl's house. And, and then I remember when Jamie and Cheryl came from Franklin, Louisiana, and they moved here and now they're pastors. And, and I look, everybody had to make a sacrifice, but God breathed on it. And, and when I think about it, I, you know, I want to help you show you how you respond in moments like this, when the Lord says, I have need of it. Look with me. See, in, in, in chapter 19, in Luke chapter 19, it's all about the gospel. It starts out with Zacchaeus. If you see at the beginning, Zacchaeus, he's a guy, he's a tax gatherer, and he's trying to get in touch with, he's trying to see Jesus. And if you know the little church song, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up the sycamore tree, you know. But what he did, he climbed up the sycamore tree, and he begins to cry out to Jesus. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, and he goes, hey, I'm going to come eat lunch at your house today, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was so moved that Jesus wouldn't want to come into his house. How many of you know when Jesus comes into your life, something changes on the inside? Hello? Does it? Do you remember the day that you gave your life to the Lord? Mine was May 15th, 1980. And I've never been the same. See, I thought church was like, Boring. Hello, how many you remember that? It's like, oh man, church. I mean, I remember my mom. My mom would say, "Look, my mom would make a deal with me and my brother." And said, "Look, all we, my my stepfather said, we don't care what you do, but on Sundays you go to church." And I remember we used to live in Lafayette, and we'd tell them what church. And I used to find the shortest mass that they had. And it was on the UL campus. They had the shortest mass at the UL campus. It was like 40 minutes. And being Catholic, that's a short mass. You go, the brother gets with it. But I can remember even knowing that mass, it was short. Because, cause, can I tell you something? It was just, I would just sit there and go. And it was kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wonka, 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 wonka. But I'm not. I didn't know this, but my mom and my stepfather used to drive by and look for my brother and I's truck sometimes to see if we were and want to know what they said. And sometimes we thought, oh, yeah, we went. We didn't even go. And we thought, oh, no, you didn't. What do you mean? No, we went and drove by. You weren't there. So it was kind of like a deal thing. You know, and if you know any of you know my testimony, my mom was Baptist. My mom was Methodist. My dad was Baptist. They fought. So we didn't go to church because they couldn't figure out which church we were going to go to. Okay, my grandmother or my mom's mom was charismatic. My dad's mom was Jehovah Witness. My mama married and left my dad married another man. He was Catholic. So I didn't need religion. I needed out of my state of confusion. And you go, people go, why are you a non-denominational church? That might explain. <laughs> but here's the thing. Zacchaeus, Jesus is walking by and Jesus, I'm coming to your house. And what happens is, thank you, baby. See, my wife knows me. What happens is, is that 
the, the religious people go, hey, you're going to the house of a sinner. How many of you know that that's what Jesus came for? He didn't come for the people that had it all together. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? I am. Because I didn't have my act together. But when you see the gospel story, he was, he, he, what was Zacchaeus? He was cheating people out of money. After he encounters Jesus, the Bible says that he gives back four times what he had stolen. I know this. When God touches your life, you're a different person. Some of you used to cuss and take the paint off of things. Some of you go, well, Pastor, you haven't seen me lay. I still, well, God's going to work on you if you give him. Some of you, listen, you lied about a lie about a lie to make your lie sound good. Come on. Some of you had the issue of anger. Some of you had a bad thing on, you just lusted after everything. Women, whatever. Men's, whatever. Am I in the right church? Okay. See, I realize this. When, when the gospel, when Jesus touches your life, all of a sudden what happens, the gospel triggers an open-handed life. What does that mean? That my hand is open to whatever God you want to take me, wherever you want me to go. And it's not about money. It's about God. It's a willingness to go where you want me to go. Because see, poverty says this. The spirit of poverty is you hold your hand so tight that no one can open it. See, when I moved to Jennings, there was two things that I found that we had. We had a lot of churches. Come on. Someone told me, you know, Jennings is in the world book, the Genesis world book of records because it has more churches per capita, per person anywhere else in the United States. And so, okay, well, got a religious spirit, pride, poverty, prejudice, the three P's in small town. Then I found out, which really gave me hope, Lake Arthur had more bars, more per, more <laughs> per capita. And I thought that's the place I want to be. I don't want to be snatching people out of bars. But I also found out that Jenny's had more drugstores than anybody else. So there was a lot of people that were religious and drugged. Hello, anybody know what I'm talking about? Some were drugged to church. Dragged by your mom or dad, whatever. Not Anyway. Okay. So here's the thing. The gospel, when it touches your life, everything changes. And see, then in the next, in, in that same chapter, it talks about 10 minus. And what happens is it, it, they, they, don't, they don't own anything. And what happens, but the owner, this guy comes and he says, I'm going to give you each. It's not, that, it's not the same story as the talents. It's a totally different story. He calls 10 men and, and he gives them each a, a weight of responsibility over a city. And what one, he calls the first one, he, he was faithful in, in, in what he had given him for five. And he said, I'm going to give you ten. And he was, another one was faithful in the, one, the ones that he gave me, in the two. And he gave him five. And the one that had one, he said, you know, I just, I put it in a handkerchief. He said, why didn't you put it in the bank? At least you could have made an investment. Give me back my investment. See, what happens is, but remember what he says at the end? He says, well done by good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that? I remember Diane Sawyer was interviewing Billy Graham one day. Billy Graham. And he said, she goes, what is the one thing that you would like to hear from the Lord when you get to heaven? And I remember he goes, that's easy. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. You see, what is the gospel? The gospel is this. Is it because of sin? Okay, let, let me explain what sin is. 
Sin is called selfishness. Let's do a survey. How many of you have ever been selfish? How many of you have ever walked in pride? How many of you have ever stolen something? Oh, we've got a lot of thieves in here. Watch the, watch the offering anyway. <laughs> Lord, I didn't know we had to meet thieves up in Jane. No wonder that some of the stores are going out of business. Anyway, no, I'm just playing. How many of you ever walked in anger? Here's a good one. Here's one, pride. See, I'm too proud to raise my hand. I ain't raised my hand. The gospel, you know what it does? While we were bankrupt, while we were in our sin, while we were selfish, while we were doing our own thing, and we wanted to be different, we wanted to be good. I wanted to be good. I wanted to change. But you know what, what, what happened is, is it, is it, while we were yet bankrupt and we were in debt, Jesus gives us life. What do you mean, Pastor? Your first step is to encounter Jesus in a divine moment, is receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life. My divine moment was May 15th, 1980. That I, I can, and, and some of you, might not, for my wife, it was making, a, she heard a, ver, a verse from a fourth grade teacher in the seventh grade. She started going to a dynamic youth group in, in Tacoma, Washington. And God was in a youth explosion. And she she just, she was just faithful. She didn't have that divine moment. She just goes, I need to follow God. And she was just faithful. And she ministered in her high school, and led people to the Lord. And still, even to this day, there are people, you know, from that, that time, remember her faithfulness to God. And it was just making that moment. And see, it's making that, see, Matthew says, like, freely you received, freely give. I've heard people use that for money. Really what it is, freely what you've received from God, give. What does that mean? With your time, your talents, and your treasure. But give. Give freely. How many of you know there's people at your work that drive you nuts? Maybe before you were saved. That drove you nuts because they talked about Jesus all the time. Come on, anybody remember those? God uses people. And see, what happens is if, you're, if you have a giving problem, look at me. Look at me. I want to tell you. If you have a giving problem, you have a gospel problem. Because it's not about... Just giving money. It's about giving your time and your ability to do what God has given you. Listen, everybody in this room has a gift. And those gifts that are given to you are given. Even if you serve God or not, they're still gifts. Amen? They're gifts. And you always have them. They're a gift from God. Irrevocable. It's how you use it. You know, like, I I know people that should be pastors and they're used car salesmen. Because they have a gift of persuasion. You know what I'm saying? There are people, I mean, let me, I'm not even go there. But anyway, the second thing is God works through people. Aren't you glad for the people God's put in your life? See, we're all, the Bible in Corinthians 3, 9 says we are all co-workers in God's service. There's no special, can I just say, there's no special worker as a, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. That's my job description. But who I am is I'm a Christian. Are you hearing me? What does that mean? I encountered the same things you encounter. I encountered temptation. Let me ask you. How many of you have been tempted to do something stupid this week? Say something stupid. Act stupid. How many of you just wanted to throw in the towel this week and just tell somebody off like what they really needed to hear? And you would have felt better, but you would have repented. We all get tempted that way. You see, 
The Lord needs it. God, I didn't believe this. How many believe God's self-sufficient? God's self-sustained? God owns everything. The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns everything. God needs it. He owned the cult. He told them to go get for them. The question people ask me all the time, well, pastor, is it God or is it us? How many want to know my answer? My answer is yes. It is God in us, the hope of glory. You see, what would happen? What would happen? What would have happened if these disciples didn't go? Let let me make make something very clear. God is going to provide what we need and we're going to build the kids facility. Amen. Amen. And I understand this part. I struggled with this and I'll be honest with you. When I look at when I read the paper and I read, listen, I want to go to the gas pumps and go, God, let the price of gas go up. I'll tell you that. I just want the gas go up. Then I read reports, Lumberjay drop, you know. Uh, Halliburton and uh, you know, all these people and I, I have people at all of our I go to the campus so I know people that are out of jobs and things like that and and it's like even last night I was just praying about this message should we even do this should should we just put the white flag up and we you know it was good to see EJ put those flags with the cross it looks great it's on video but in uh, me I'm thinking God you know where our economy you know where people are at and I mean, I'm, I'm praying. And I mean, if you look at Lafayette, Lafayette, Louisiana, in the United States right now, is number one in lost jobs in the United States. Lost jobs. Then I, and you see all these things, and I'm like, Lord, what should I do? I don't want to put, I mean, people are, people are hurting right now. And I felt like the Lord said, it's not, it's not the people, it's me. But I'll use the people if they trust me. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says God. And this morning I felt like the Lord said, you just you just share what I, we, you put together. And this morning I got up and I turned on my phone because I like to check the weather or whatever. And I have a message from one of my friends from another country. And the very scripture, he gave me. Ephesians 3.20. I'll just read it. How many of you know what it says? How many of you don't know what it says? How many of you don't care what it says? How many of you go, I, I just want to know what it says? Okay, right here. I'm going to read it to you. You know it, but I'm going to read it. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory. And I started thinking about it. It's, you know, God, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I think or what I ask. And it was just a confirmation for me. And so I look at this and I go, and can I just say this? It's not about it's not about amount. It's more about obedience and willingness. You know, one of the crazy things is uh, my, my little brother, Todd, he's bigger than me, but he's my little brother. And we were hunting one day and one morning I go and he's he's. It's kind of crazy because now he's preaching to me. I mean, God's really touched his life and now he's preaching to me. My, my, my sister-in-law waited like how many years to it, baby? She prayed for him. 30 years for him to get right. Women don't give up for your husband. 30 years. Okay, 30, how many of you know that's a long time? 30 years she prayed for him. 
And I remember, and, and we're hitting that, and he go, he's telling me about the, the power of the Word of God, the importance of the Word of God, and all this stuff. And I go, but you know what, Todd? There's something greater than the Word of God. And he goes, what? No, there's not. I go, yes, there is. What's more powerful than the Word of God? Obedience to the Word of God. Because can I tell you something? You can blab it and grab it. You can shake it and bake it. You can do whatever you want. But until you know the word of God and you live out what it says in obedience to what God has told you to do, it's useless. Because can I tell you something? The word of God just standing right here on the stage like that. God can't believe he did that. Listen, that's the word of God. Unless I use it and apply it to my life. Some people see the word of God like a skateboard and go, I'm just going to ride this sucker. Some people... You know, you know, you can stand on it. You can dance on it, all that stuff. But it doesn't change anything until you get it right here. Are you hearing me? Until you get it right here and you begin to go, the word of God. God is speaking to me to do what he's told me to do. Listen, when I left Lafayette and Broussard, that was my comfort zone. We had a night. First time we ever, ever had a new home. Okay, first time. After being married, and it was like, had all these little things. And when you kind of look, oh, look at that. It's kind of like Egypt. You know, when we in Egypt, we had. You know, in Egypt, we had Buddha. In Jennings, you die of cholesterol because they fry it. But can I tell you something? When God is doing something in our generation... You know, and he puts you in it. The biggest challenge is just to say yes to God. Because it's all about being obedient and having a willingness. Because sometimes obedience doesn't mean you have the willingness. Hello. How many of you have ever had sick kids? And they throw up. Or they poop. They do that. Plumbing works sometimes. You find it. Yeah, plumbing works. Listen, I've had times in the house. I'll just be very brutally honest. My wife's a good wife. She's taking care of that. But there was one time she was sick. And one of my sons just did both of them in the bathroom everywhere. And she looked at me. She goes, I ain't cleaning it up. I'm like, you sick little dog kid. I mean, he was sick, but I was, you were sick. I can't believe you left this mess with me. I listened to my wife. I didn't have the willingness to do it, but somebody had to get the job done. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just got to do it. And I'm not going to point their finger out, but he's not married. <laughs> anyway. You can talk to him after the service. But anyway, I would like to know, you know, I would like to know the backstory of the guy who owned the cult. He said, yes, anytime you sacrifice for Jesus, it always hurts, doesn't it? But let me let me just make make what let me just tell you what makes it easier. Every time, like last week, I saw a baptism like we had with 15 people getting baptized. And the cool thing is. And a couple of those baptisms, it was whole families that got baptized. There was one family, that their kids got baptized because there's a couple here that brought them, Stephen and Heather. Oh, man, they brought these, these boys together. And then one day, Josh and Jamie and Zach and I are in, in, in a restaurant and their mother comes in. My kids love your church. 
Stephen and Heather have been bringing them. And, and it's like, man, God is just, I mean, like, I just want to come, but I can't because of work and all that. And then we, we, just, we just stopped and she just, and I just, just prayed for her. I think somehow it worked out. Long story. They all came to church and, they, and all their children got baptized last week. You know? And then I look, look at people like, like uh, Joey and, and Heather that were here this morning at the first, uh, the first service and how they baptized their whole family. That, I mean, when I see things like that, that makes me want to cry. But, can I, but I do say this, but I'm a part of that and so are you. We're all a part of that. When we see God touch people and change people's lives. How do we think these two guys got that? How, how do you think they felt when, the, when they got the donkey and Jesus rode in on, on it down Jerusalem path? And the, it was their donkey. Your willingness, I just believe your willingness today prepares you to be in the moment with Jesus tomorrow. You imagine to go, hey, everybody's praising the Lord. That's our donkey. And Jesus is riding on. My question is, Pastor, what, what, what are you asking me to do? Can I just say what I'm asking? I'm just saying, say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Whether God says, whatever God says, just say yes. If you're new at OSC and you, think, you might be thinking, what's going on? I'll just say that. I'll tell you what's going on. OSC is an everyone church. Everyone. We're in everyone church. You know, Acts 2 says no one had need because everyone felt a responsibility to help with all the needs. See, I'll just say this. We'll always be in everyone church. When, when, we, when we take steps, we take them together. Amen? We just take them together. And, and let me just wrap this up. So also, this is what I'm asking you. You got a card this morning right here. How many of you got a card this morning you came in, okay? How many of you didn't get a card? If you didn't get a card, we got cards when you're walking out. We'd love to give you one. And, and this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, number one, pray. I'm asking you to, number two, prepare. And I'm asking you to participate. In six weeks, on March 6th, we're going to have a miracle offering. And that, that's what we're asking you to be a part of. I'm not doing a series. It's the last thing you're going to hear with me. It's just an update. But I felt like, you know what? I felt like you needed an update. And it's exciting. Listen, listen to me. It's exciting because you've been a part of being able to help start and launch a new campus. And the cool thing is 185 on average in the first year. Last year, listen to me. Last year at this time, we were running 185 people on average. Think about that. And in less than a year, 185 people, and now we're averaging 368 people. It might be like God kind of breathed on it, didn't he? I believe this. Every time you push the envelope, see, listen, and God puts people in our lives that, that challenge us. And sometimes God puts people in our lives in a, in a package we don't like. Hello. But it's whether or not, it's not what, you know, well, I don't. You know, it's whether it's here's the here's the bottom. It's whether or not we do what God's telling us to being obedient to him. We're not here to we're not going to chime you up, give you all these false promises or anything like that. But I will say this. If you pray, just ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And for, if you're new, this is the first time you ever heard of it. You've been here for a year. You know what we're talking about. There's some people made commitments or some people made pledges. And we're, I'm not here to. 
Hash out. Just ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Because this morning, the Eunice campus is doing the same thing. In Crowley, this is the first time they have an opportunity to be a part of Reach. We've, we've sowed, and now they're going to try to sow into us. Is that all right? And so that's what we're asking you to do. And so let me, let me just wrap it up with this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you came for the very simple purpose of going, God, I don't want to walk out of church this morning the same that I came. I want to know you. And listen to me. I want to say this. If you don't have the joy of the Lord, what does that mean? That doesn't mean you don't encounter trials and things. But I'm saying this. What Jesus promises to give you power to be an overcomer. What does that look like? There's different ones of us have dealt with different things. We've done enough surveys when we get raising your hand this morning. Okay? But here's the thing. I don't want you to walk out of here without knowing Jesus. Because... That's why we've gathered, because we sing songs like we did this morning. And, and as we sang, we began that God began to speak to our hearts and begin to move on our, on, our, on our hearts. And that for us to be able to go, God, I want to just I want to draw near to you. I want to know you like I've never known you before. I want to honor you like I've never honored you before. Here's an opportunity. If you don't know the Lord, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you heard this morning, you said, Pastor, I don't know the Lord. I don't have, and what I mean by that, you don't know the Lord, that you're not walking in, in a, a moment, in, in a time of victory in your life, in areas. In other words, areas, there are things that are taking you places you don't want to go instead of you going, wait a minute. God, help me to be an overcomer, that you begin to overcome obstacles and issues in your life. If you don't know the Lord this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to know the Lord. I don't know the Lord, and I want to I want to give my life to Jesus this morning and trust him from this day forward that he'll be the Lord of my life. That means he has complete control to be able to speak to me and have his way in my life, in my in my marriage. With the way I raise my children, the way I live my life, the way I make choices, I want to be led and ruled by him in my heart. If that's you this morning, no one looking around and say, Pastor Bob, I want to give my life to the Lord. That's me. Would you pray with me, Pastor Bob? If that's you, just raise your hand this morning. And I want to pray with you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's pray this prayer together, everyone. Just say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame. You died for it. I believe you faced hell for me. So I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, I turn away from my sin to be born again, to receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand clap for those that raised their hand this morning and prayed that prayer.